Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for April 30th, 2023. It is the season of Easter. Join in our call to worship. We gather together in the presence of our shepherd God, who calls each of us by name, who restores our souls, who leads us in the way of righteousness, and whose goodness and love never stops pursuing us. This is the God we have come to worship. is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. today is from the book, The Lives We Actually Have, 100 Blessings for Imperfect Days, by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. God, I need a gentle day, a respite from the strident voices and the attention economy, problems I can't solve. I need a break. God, shelter me a while. 
Blessed are we who come to you just as we are, asking to be gathered, hidden, and held. Shielded for a time from things too hard for us, too heavy to hold for this long. God, give us grace for one more day of gentle turning, of turning away from worry toward restful action, of turning from the troubles of yesterday or tomorrow. Blessed are we when the unsolvable problem comes to mind again, to turn from it just for now, when checking the news one more time seems a good idea, to let the hands rest and the computer screen go dark. When the muscles in the body speak their tight reminders, to listen to them long enough to give them release, to gentle up the breathing and lower the eyes, to let ourselves be small again, wrapped up and lifted into your arms, for long enough until the stirrings of enoughness come, enough energy to tend just the little space that is within reach today. Amen. Our scripture today is John 10, 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Thomas Long tells this story. The dinner party had gone well. It was the kind of evening when good food was matched by rich conversation and warm cheer. As the dishes were being cleared and cream was being stirred into after-dinner coffee, our conversation took a more serious turn. The guest of honor was a church leader from Central Europe. The Soviet Union had come apart only months before, and the table was filled with eager questions. How had the church in his country fared during the long Soviet frost? What changes were occurring now that the warmer winds of democracy were blowing across Central Europe? What wisdom did his experience bring for the church in North America? He spoke slowly, even cautiously at first, measuring his words, weighing their risk, 
a man unaccustomed to candor among relative strangers. Gradually gaining confidence, he spoke of dramatic shifts in the social and political climate of his region, of the church made strong through hardship and persecution. Indeed, with an eye toward the American religious scene, he observed that possibly the greatest threat to the church in his own land was the temptation to relax its guard in the new atmosphere of freedom, that the church could lose its sense of call by falling into an easy alliance with a seemingly friendlier culture. He told about the days under totalitarianism, how the church was officially tolerated but always undermined and repressed, how the clergy were always monitored by secret agents who had infiltrated their ranks. We would have a meeting about some matter of church business, he said, knowing for certain that not everyone seated at the table could be trusted. Some of the ministers present were, in fact, government agents. He paused for a moment and then added, but even though these government spies were careful never to betray their true identities, we could always tell who they were. But how? someone asked. The voice, he replied. The voice. Something in their voices would give them away. The voice. The words may have been smooth and well-chosen, but there was something in the texture of the voice that disclosed the texture of deception, the wolf in sheep's clothing. There was something in the voice that revealed the distinction between the true and the false, between the dependable and the treacherous. Something in their voices, he said, would give them away. In a similar way, Jesus himself said that his own followers could divide the trustworthy from the untrustworthy by the sound of a voice. They are like sheep who will not follow a stranger, he said, because a stranger's voice they do not know. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and they follow only him. Because they belong to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, they respond faithfully to the sound of His voice and His voice alone. End quote. I find it amazing what power there is in the human voice, what comfort there is in hearing a familiar voice over the phone. I don't need the name to pop up on my phone when my kids are calling, do you? I can recognize that voice. Why? Because I have listened to that voice forever. I am intimately familiar with the owner of that particular voice. Science bears this out. Voice print technology is relatively new. It was just developed in the 1960s, but it is increasingly used in criminal investigations. It's even used nowadays on our music devices, such as Alexa or Echo, which recognize our voices. Even in Jesus' day, the uniqueness of each human voice was recognized. The sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. No question. 
They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. So many voices clamor for our attention nowadays. The news channels, ads on television or radio, memes on social media. I don't need to tell you what they say. You have heard them yourself. Buy this, buy that. Believe this party line or that one. Believe in yourself. Don't trust the government. Don't trust your neighbor. How do we know which voices are trustworthy and which are not? I can tell you. The voices of this world are only trustworthy when the shepherd's voice speaks through them. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Followers of Jesus, those who have made a lifelong habit of listening for Jesus' voice, recognize that voice. When a voice speaks of mercy, grace, forgiveness, love, and hope, that is the voice of the Master. Voices that speak of bitterness, judgment, hatred, strife, and division are false. Listen for the voice of the Master. But there is even something more. The shepherd calls his own by name. Jesus speaks to each of us lovingly by name, calling us and leading us forth. I will close with one more illustration from Thomas Long. A friend told me about a church drama troupe that presented, as a special event on the weekend before Christmas, a dessert and drama production of Charles Dickens' classic A Christmas Carol. The church fellowship hall was transformed into a theater. Folding chairs clustered around tables, all facing a makeshift stage fitted with painted backdrops of the tenements and blackened chimneys of 19th century London. As the audience gathered and were handed their programs, some were amused to note that the part of the tight-fisted Ebenezer Scrooge was being played by the chair of the church board, a gentleman of quite unscrooge-like generosity. They were impressed, though, by the skill and energy he brought to his part. He growled his way through the opening scenes, wringing out every bah humbug with miserly ill will. He shivered with fright and dreadful self-recognition as he was encountered by the series of Christmas ghosts. The final scene called for a transformed and jubilant Scrooge to chase away the shadows of the remorseful night and to greet the light of Christmas Day by flinging open his bedroom window and bellowing festively to the startled city street below, Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! 
Then Scrooge, wishing to bestow Christmas gifts upon the people in need in London, looked for someone to help dispense his cheer. He acted as if he had spied a street kid passing by. "'Hey, you boy, you there!' the mirthful Scrooge shouted, pointing vigorously at this imaginary figure. "'Come up here, boy. I've got something wonderful for you to do.' But something beautiful and unexpected happened. A six-year-old boy in the audience, seated with his family who were members of the congregation, spontaneously rose from his chair in response to this jubilant and generous call and walked up onto the stage ready to do something wonderful. The actor playing Scrooge blinked in disbelief, as you can imagine. There was now an unscripted child from the audience standing at center stage. What to do? The audience held its breath. Then the person of faith beneath the veneer of Scrooge took charge. Bounding down from his window perch, he strode across the stage and cheerily embraced the waiting boy. Yes, indeed, he exclaimed, his voice full of blessing. You are the one, the very one I had in mind. Then he gently led the boy back to his seat in the audience, returned to the stage, and resumed the play. When the curtain calls were held, it was, of course, this boy, the one who had felt himself personally summoned from his seat, who received, along with old Ebenezer himself, the audience's loudest and warmest applause. Just so, the sheep hear and know the merciful voice of the Good Shepherd. And when they get up out of their seats in the darkened auditorium and bound upon the stage ready to follow, the Good Shepherd himself embraces them. Yes, yes, you are the one, the very one I had in mind. Let us pray. O merciful and gracious God, we thank you that you call us by name. Help us to always heed your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.
receive the benediction. May the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen.